Hi guys, welcome to this week's episode of Recovery Talk. So today I want to talk about a very interesting phenomena that I see time and time again with people with eating disorders, and that is this thing where someone fears or feels in some way that they are faking their eating disorder. And oftentimes I hear some version of this is people thinking, well, if I'm actually able to eat in recovery, that means that I never had an eating disorder, I was just faking this all along. And therefore there is resistance towards recovery because you feel that because you're someone with an eating disorder, you shouldn't be able to do that, right? I think for someone without an eating disorder who's listening, if if there is someone without an eating disorder listening and who's never had an eating disorder, will be like, what? Because it seems so random. But this is something I see actually very often with, you know, clients. And also what sometimes I see just talking to people eating disorder, I see this keeps coming up, this fear of like, am I faking it? Do I really have an eating disorder? And just this constant self-invalidation. So I have spoken about invalidation in a previous episode. I think I just titled it invalidation. And then I was talking about self-invalidation, and which is essentially you invalidating yourself, as the word may suggest. But I was also talking about invalidation from other people. So this episode will be a bit more in-depth about self-invalidation and just this nagging feeling that, oh, I'm faking my eating disorder. So... Let me just make one thing very clear. This whole thing with, oh, I'm faking my eating disorder, I don't really have an eating disorder, is actually a trick the eating disorder pulls on you in order to stay over you. Because you can't recover from something you don't have. Denial is a very, very, very common human defense mechanism, right? You see people in all sorts of situations that you see that they have a problem and they get defensive and they convince themselves and others, oh, there's nothing wrong here, right? And the eating disorder equally when try and tell you that you don't have a problem because if you don't have a problem, there's no problem to focus on. There's no need to recover because there is nothing to recover from. One way I often see this behavior kind of presenting is through hyper-focusing on a specific symptom or behavior that commonly are seen with eating disorders that you don't have, or are sometimes seen. It can even be rare behaviors. You find some kind of behavior that you know some people with eating disorder have, and you don't have that behavior, and that means you're faking it. A typical example of that is skipping meals, right? So there is this idea that people with eating disorders always skip meals, but truth is a lot of people don't, right? So it's kind of based more on like a stereotype. And I'm not saying that there aren't people with eating disorder who skip meals on the regular, of course there is, right? But there are a lot of people with eating disorder who eats every single meal. If anything, one thing I see very often with people with eating disorder is that they actually get very obsessed with eating every single meal. And if the meal gets canceled, interrupted in some way, there is like complete breakdown. So again, a behavior that does not necessarily indicate that you don't have an eating disorder, but because of some stereotypes and ideas, you're thinking, well, I, I never skipped a meal, so that just shows that I don't have an eating disorder. Even though you very, very clearly have a problem with food, body, and slash or exercise. Another common thing is, oh, but I'm not diagnosed. And it's kind of like, I mean, <sighs> you can have an eating disorder without being diagnosed. It's kind of like, if I, if I break my arm, my arm is not going to not be broken until a doctor says, oh yeah, it's broken. It's not like an illness or something that just exists as soon as a medical professional validates it. I understand diagnosis can be helpful in some ways because for some people it kind of gives them some kind of confirmation and affirmation, I guess, but more than anything, it can be a tool used to access treatment, right? So if you have a diagnosis that kind of gives you some kind of 
what can I say? In many countries, you kind of need that in order to be able to access, at least in my home country, you need to kind of have a screening and see what's what's going on in order to access the eating disorder treatment, as far as I'm aware. But that doesn't mean that if you don't have a diagnosis, you don't have a problem. And we know that most people with eating disorders are never diagnosed, right? That doesn't mean that they don't have an eating disorder, you know? You wouldn't think it this way with any other medical condition. Like, I have a bruise on my leg right now. I know I have a bruise. I haven't been diagnosed with a bruise from a doctor. I just know that there is a bruise there because it's clearly a bruise, fit the description of a bruise, right? And I think being too hung up in like diagnosis and labels in terms of eating disorders is can be quite unhelpful. I t- don't tend to work specifically with diagnosis. I tend to work more with behaviors, right? And of course, it can be helpful to know what someone's behavior is, right? And how the eating disorder presents physically, mentally, etc., etc. But at the end of the day, the way I see it, an eating disorder is essentially just when thoughts and feelings and actions around food, body, and slash or exercise become so disruptive that it starts negatively impacting your life and your mental or physical health. Do keep in mind that for a lot of people, they might not realize how much it is negatively impacting them. A lot of people are in denial about an eating disorder because they're thinking, oh yeah, I'm thriving, I'm doing well, you know. So denial again can come in here, which also ties back a bit to what I spoke about with, you know, eating disorder, thinking you're faking it, right? So sometimes objectively being able to identify that you have a problem can be a bit tricky, right? But like most people who have a bruise right now aren't diagnosed with bruising from their doctor. Does that mean they don't have bruising? Does the bruise just start existing once the doctor is writing the diagnosis of bruise? If that's even a thing? And I understand that was somewhere like a physical health example and eating disorders are a lot more categorized as a mental disorder. But think of it as anxiety. You know, if you feel very anxious, you know, oh shit, I feel really anxious right now, regardless if you've been diagnosed with anxiety or not. I mean, I guess there's some people who are invalidating themselves with their anxiety if they haven't been diagnosed, but I see that more often so when people are like shaky and they're feeling really anxious, they're able to identify, I feel anxious, right? I have anxiety in this situation, but, and without necessarily having a doctor confirming it, right? But with eating disorders, it seems to be this thing that people think it just doesn't exist until there is a diagnosis, which is just wrong. It's just wrong because realistically, not everyone can access that help. Not everyone can access that, you know, that support. And also we need to see a lot who is being spotted as having an eating disorder. Very often the stereotypes around who gets an eating disorder means that a lot of people who don't fit that stereotype aren't identified. So it's a flaw in the system. So if you can identify that there is a flaw in the system, why are you seeing the system as a gatekeeper? But anyways, back a bit to, you know, the eating disorder, trying to convince you it doesn't exist. You don't have a problem. Everything is good and well. Yet here you are listening to my recovery podcast. Interesting choice. <laughs> no, I'm joking. I know that there are people who are listening maybe because, you know, maybe they're health professionals or maybe they're just curious or whatsoever. But in general, if you find yourself, you spend a lot of time thinking about food, body, exercise, seeking out resources to this, you know, it's probably for a reason, right? So what I see time and time again with this whole thing of thinking you're faking your eating disorder is that people use this as a reason not to recover, right? That's the main thing here. Because as I said, you know, the eating disorder tells you that there is nothing wrong. And if there's nothing wrong, there's nothing to recover from. It's just denial. And it's so interesting to see how strong denial is in eating disorders. It's actually so strong that you see it. I see it as a symptom rather than an indicator someone has or has an eating disorder. A lack of insight into one situation is actually a very common symptom, right? And sometimes this can ebb and flow. People may be like, oh, wow 
damn, I do have a problem. And then the next day they're like, oh no, it's fine. You know, that this really can ebb and flow. So this doesn't mean that you're always in complete denial, you know. But overall, a pattern I see in people with eating disorders is a pattern of denial. And if it's not like complete denial, like, oh, I don't have an eating disorder, you know, people can be like, yeah, I have an eating disorder, but, and then insert some kind of reason as to why recovery don't apply for them, why it's not that bad, why they can keep going like this, blah, blah, blah. Like in my case, I knew I had an eating disorder. I mean, it felt like, at times I felt like, nah, this is not really, I think they're misunderstanding the whole situation here. Of course I had those moments, right? But overall I knew I had an eating disorder, but still a lot of the behaviors I tried to guess normalize, you know, and look for evidence that these behaviors were okay to continue. And basically reason as to why recovery was not for me, because that was for everyone else but me. But everyone else is feeling the same thing, right? Oh, I meet so many unicorns when I work with clients. They're all unicorns. Everyone's like, oh, it's not, that doesn't apply to me. It applies to other people, right? Very, very common. So what is this whole denial thing? What What is going on here? Why is this? Why is this a thing, right? So I kind of said a bit like my theory is that it actually is a way to, for the eating disorder to postpone recovery, right? To tell you that, well, if you don't have problems, nothing to work on. The eating disorder is always looking for ways to stay overdue. It's pulling the most insane pranks on you that you could ever imagine. So yeah, basically that would be a bit more of a, I guess, psychological explanation as to why. A bit more of a, you know, human defense mechanism. And now evolutionary psychology enters the chat. Is there ever an episode without me bringing up some kind of evolutionary psychology, especially Dr. Sean Gossinger's Adaptively Famine, which I think is such a fascinating study and I keep bringing it up and I should probably do an episode just on that because that whole study is just chef's kiss. Anyways, in the study, Adaptively Famine, which is basically the researchers taking an evolutionary approach uh, towards anorexia nervosa and seeing it as actually an adaptation to famine that we developed far, far back in the days uh, to actually survive periods of famine, right? That there is basically like a biological vulnerability that some people have. Anyways, anyways, so in this study... uh, Dr. Gussinger actually theorizes that this denial of the illness could have a evolutionary aspect to it. I may have mentioned this before in invalidation. I'm not sure, but I'm just going to say it again because I think it's so amazing. So basically what she's uh, explaining is that she theorizes that if someone back in the days, right, if someone was starved out back in the days, we're talking like, I don't know, thousands of years ago whatsoever, when we were like, kind of like, I don't know, Stone Age times, you know, back in the days, if someone was then, there was a period of famine, right, and if someone was then realizing that, oh my god, I'm really sick, I'm like, properly not doing well right now, that could actually scare and demotivate them and prevent them from keep surviving, keep looking for food, keep, you know, being with the pack and fighting and, you know, that actually back in those days, being in denial of your physical states when you were injured or not injured, I guess, but starved, you know, could be something that had a, had a survival advantage, right? Because if you're realizing, oh crap, I'm going to die, you're going to just panic and freeze, right? But if you're instead thinking, oh, it's not that bad, it's not that bad, it's going to kind of keep you, keep you going, keep surviving, keep looking for food. And I thought this was so fascinating. Because this denial just runs so deep and I see with clients where it almost seem like it's like an instinct rather than just a cognitive delusion, right? Because we will talk about this cognitive delusion and they will be very aware that, yeah, the eating disorder is sneaky, try and make it seem like I don't have a problem when I do. But they still feel that, they still feel like invalid, you know, they still feel like, oh, but I don't really have a problem. 
or I have a problem, but it's not that bad, or the solutions to my problem shouldn't be recovery, basically. So one way that this can kind of show up, this whole like, oh, I'm faking my eating disorder, is a resistance towards recovery, kind of as, as I've been talking about. But basically, I hear sometimes people say, well, if I start recovery and I'm eating my meals and I'm doing this, this just shows that I never had an eating disorder. And if I never had an eating disorder, that means that I don't need recovery. I should just be normal. Yeah, you see that the eating disorder is, I mean, the devil is working hard, but the eating disorder is working harder because the cognitive delusions get increasingly creative. And when I talk to people experiencing that, I kind of say, well, if you <laughs> if you didn't have an eating disorder, you wouldn't feel resistance towards recovery, right? <laughs> if you had an eating disorder, you wouldn't feel resistance towards eating more, maybe putting on weight, etc., etc. The fact that you feel that resistance is in itself a symptom of the eating disorder. Because a person without an eating disorder won't desperately fight the necessary remedy towards healing their illness. And the truth is the eating disorder is never going to be happy and agree with recovery, right? It's never going to be like, yeah, now it feels right. Yeah, now it feels like I deserve it. Yeah, now it feels like I need it. No, you just got to accept that you are going to feel like a bit of a fraudster, potentially. You're going to accept that you, you're you going to feel like this feels wrong, like you don't need it, like it's not for you. You just need to accept these feelings instead of trying to get rid of them, because I think this is a trap where a lot of people fall into, where they think that in order to recover, they need to get rid of these feelings first, right? But you actually get rid of these feelings by recovering. I think a lot of recovery is about, you know, sitting with feelings instead of trying to fight them and by doing things regardless of those feelings. I would actually go as far as saying that recovery is not possible if you are avoiding sitting with discomfort. This doesn't mean you can't distract from discomfort for instance like oh if you're feeling very triggered maybe do a puzzle or you know watch a movie or draw or read whatsoever but still at the end of the day a lot of recovery is about tolerating or accepting that it's gonna feel wrong because if you're just waiting for recovery to feel right for you it's just not gonna happen because it's not gonna feel right if recovery feels right are you really recovering like really of course there's gonna be moments where recovery feels right and good and awesome and you're just like yeah this is such a this is the right thing to do etc etc but there are gonna be moments of resistance and that's completely normal i know i say this so often but recovery is about seeking out resistance rather than avoiding it right resistance is not a sign that you are doing something wrong it's actually a sign you're doing something right so in some twisted way when you are feeling the eating disorder imposter syndrome like oh i'm faking my eating disorder i don't really have a problem i don't really need recovery that is actually a sign that you know <laughs> you're probably pushing it in some way you're probably pushing some recovery action that creates these imposter syndrome thoughts and feelings right because very often the time when these feelings come up is when you are about to engage or engaging in a recovery promoting behavior right for example you are about to increase your intake and then your eating disorder will jump in and say no you don't really have a problem and you don't really need food right so it comes as a response to recovery promoting actions and all of resistance that come towards as a, like a response towards recovery promoting actions again that is in itself a clear sign that it is the eating disorder that's behind it and the eating disorder is not a very trustworthy source of information and decision making so when it comes to feeling like you're faking eating disorder, uh, let's talk a bit more about how that can feel like imposter syndrome, right? So imposter syndrome is basically when you are, for instance, in a specific job and you feel like you have no business being there. 
you do not deserve it, you are not qualified, etc., etc. And eating disorder can present a bit in the same way. For instance, you're sitting in treatment and you're just like, well, I don't need this. I'm just making this up. I'm making this up for attention. And I've sometimes had this in other areas of my life. And not necessarily with my eating disorder so much back in the days, but more with, for instance, like work or school situations where I felt like I don't deserve to be here. I'm literally just tricking everyone into thinking I'm smart. Tricking everyone to thinking I have anything to say here, that I deserve to be here, etc, etc. And do you know what helped me with these thoughts? It helped me to think, well, okay, so what? Okay, imagine if I am an imposter. Imagine if I'm completely unskilled and I just tricked everyone into thinking I'm competent and skilled. Well, then I am very skilled at being... (laughs) a fraud right it means that i'm pretty good that's pretty impressive so maybe sometimes meeting these thoughts of feeling like you're faking your eating disorder is like okay well so what okay if i were to fake it so what i still need recovery from it right if i were to fake an eating disorder then that i still would need some kind of mental health support for that you know and don't try and trick yourself into thinking that there is some kind of virtue in these thoughts for example sometimes people will will kind of feel like, oh, I don't deserve recovery because I would take up space or like a space that someone else need, you know, someone else needed more than me. You know, I sometimes they will have, when I work with, with clients, they'll be like, oh, I feel almost bad for taking up your time because you could have spoken to someone else. And it's kind of like, why don't you deserve that? Why, how come you deserve this less than anyone else? And it's not like the sicker you are, the more deserving you are of recovery. Like, that's just not the way it is. I mean, I do understand with certain medical complications, there might be more, like, urgent uh, measures that need to be taken. But it's not like recovery is only for the sickest people and you need to reach a certain level of sickness until you deserve recovery. That is just ridiculous. Imagine if we saw it that way with any other illness. With, for instance, cancer, we always see it as a good thing to take it as early as we can, right? Why aren't we doing that with eating disorders? The earlier you choose recovery, the better. And also, chances are you often don't see how bad the eating disorder is. You think, oh, well, people are doing worse. I'm not really that bad. Chances are you are, you know? You're not a completely reliable source. And so what if someone is quote-unquote sicker than you? What is there any virtue in you just abstaining from treatment and living your life in misery because there exists someone else who's sicker than you? There's always going to be you want to find someone who's sicker than you. You know, like I've literally been talking to people who are on their deathbeds and they still are like, well, someone else could have had this bed. You deserve recovery. Your struggles are valid. It doesn't matter what your eating disorder tell you. And your eating disorder is not a reliable source of information. And if you were to just make up and fake your whole eating disorder, if that imagine that was reality. So what? You still need recovery from it. Like, wh- why would that change anything? If you faked your way into undernourishment somehow, you still need recovery, right? And the fact that you feel resistance towards that just shows the presence of the eating disorder. And remember, eating disorders present differently in every person some people have this symptom other people don't right that doesn't mean that you necessarily have or don't have an eating disorder so for example me i never struggled with compulsive exercise didn't really move during my whole eating disorder you know literally only movement i did was back and forth from the fridge to check on my vegetables right that was it does that mean that i didn't have an eating disorder and you can do this with any kind of 
typically seen, you know, sign or symptom, for instance, being underweight, you know, I don't have an eating disorder because I'm not underweight. Well, the truth is most people with eating disorders are not underweight. And the truth is the eating disorder is always going to find a way to convince you it doesn't exist while simultaneously controlling your life. I call it Schrodinger's illness for a reason. You are not faking your eating disorder and the fact that you feel like that just shows the presence of the eating disorder. Anyways, guys, I'm now going to move over to a listener question. So the person is asking, do you really need to let go of all restrictions? Because it looks like everyone is restricting. Why can other people diet and lose weight and people with eating disorders can't? So this is a very interesting question and I have actually answered it, kind of answered it before in an episode called, can I ever diet again? But I will give a short bit of a recap on how that is, how that is that other people can go and restrict and diet and you can't. Oh, I remember when I was in eating disorder recovery, I would get almost jealous of people who could just go out there, restrict and do all of these kind of things and I, for some reason, couldn't. And it was very unfair. It felt unfair that other people could do it and I couldn't. And that's also how I know that I'm very recovered now because now the thought of doing that is not tempting. When I see someone on a diet, it's not like, oh, I wish I could do that. It's more like, oh God, I really would not want to do that. So the way I tend to explain it in a bit of a simplified way is with an eating disorder, you have a genetic predisposition. You have a, basically it's like kind of a switch in your head that gets turned on with restriction, right? And basically what happens is if you have an eating disorder, if you have that genetic predisposition and you, let's say, go on a diet, or even if you are in energetic deficit unintentionally, for instance, I see this a lot with people, for instance, who pick up the flu or something, or they get food poisoning. This can set up certain thoughts and urges and behaviors that can lead you back into the eating disorder. It's a little bit like, why can some people drink and other people can't? Like for instance, I can drink alcohol. It doesn't set off anything. I don't have that predisposition towards uh, alcoholism, right? So I can go out, I can have a glass of wine without that completely wrecking havoc of my life. And equally, someone without an eating disorder, they can go on a diet. I mean, they shouldn't really do it. It's not great. We know that diets have a 95% failure rate. We know that the body is essentially going to fight back. We know most people who diet, they gain back the weight plus more. We know all of these things. But technically, someone without that genetic predisposition for an eating disorder, they can go on a diet. They can go on that juice cleanse. And I mean, they're probably going to be kind of miserable when they're on it. That's another thing. People who don't have eating disorders who go on diets, they don't tend to be excited about the prospect of dieting, right? And if so, that's a bit of a red flag. But anyways, someone without an eating disorder, without a genetic predisposition, without the vulnerability, they can go on a juice fast and maybe they lose those few water, few kilos of water weight mostly. And they can kind of go back to, I guess, eating normally and go back with their life without that juice fast completely sending them into some kind of spiral. But with eating disorders, this period of undernourishment and restriction seem to activate certain things in the brain. In the same way that for an alcoholism, when they go out and have that glass of wine, they want more, 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 and they will go on some kind of drinking binge and they can't stop. So even though I tend to say don't see an eating disorder as a chronic illness, because I think that's pretty bleak, you know, I tend to see it as a chronic vulnerability and it's something you need to be aware of. So with an eating disorder, I, I mean, I, I, I try to avoid generalizing statements, but I would say in general, I wouldn't recommend dieting ever again. I mean, I wouldn't recommend dieting to anyone, but with an eating disorder it can be especially dangerous. And I know that can be terrifying, the thought of never dieting again. Like, what do I do then? What, what, who am I without that? But can it also maybe be liberating 
can we instead kind of flip it around a bit instead of being like why am I not allowed to diet why not instead think of it thank god dieting and diet culture is something I don't have to relate to for the rest of my life I can just not for me it's kind of like peanuts is a great food but it's not a great food for someone with a peanut allergy right you're allergic to dieting and I personally think that a lot of this is because there is almost like a switch going off and I think this because I see people experiencing the same urges to restrict more and more the same you know sudden eating disorder urges even when they lose weight unintentionally through for instance a period of having the flu or a stomach bug or something which implies that there is some kind of genetic predisposition something that gets turned on in the brain and interesting enough something that kind of gets turned off with more food as well with time I often hear from from clients saying that even just you know missing a meal or ending up the meal becoming a bit later than usual can set up certain thoughts and this is very common especially when you're like in in recovery or if you're freshly recovered and thankfully when you are have been more recovered for some time you become more resilient right so now if i missed my lunch it's not going to send me on some kind of thought spiral right but when i was freshly recovered the lunch being postponed can make certain things and feelings and certain things creep up it seemed like the feeling of hunger triggered me in a different way and it's interesting because usually for people without eating disorders hunger restriction these just sense urges that this is not nice right but sometimes when people eating disorder it can instead send an urge that oh we need to restrict more and this can fluctuate because in other times it can send the opposite urge and very interesting i often talk to people in recovery who explain that oh i don't seem to react to restrictions the way i did before before when i restricted i would get an urge to keep postponing my meals but now when i restrict now that i'm in recovery i've been recovered for some time i notice that instead i'm just like oh no i want my lunch now right and that implies a normalization or increased normalization of the hunger fullness cues, which is really good. So now if I miss my lunch, my urge is going to be not, oh, ooh, exciting. I've got a chance to skip my lunch. I feel I can feel this hunger a little bit. My urge is going to be like, oh, damn, I want lunch. And that's one of the beautiful things that recovery kind of helps you tune in with again. So can you diet after an eating disorder? I mean, you can do whatever you want. You are a autonomous human being. You can do whatever you want with your body. Would I recommend it? No, because the risk of relapse is so high. In the same way that having a glass of wine, that's that's fine. But if you are an alcoholic, it's probably something you should abstain from instead. And to be honest, dieting is not really something you should be envious of in other people, right? When you look at people who are dieting, it's not like, wow, this looks so great, you know? That's one of the beautiful things recovery gave me. It gave me the ability to look at other people who are dieting and see them as miserable. Because <laughs> I'm just like, the thought of doing that, absolutely not. Absolutely not. Doesn't tempt, tempt me. It did in the beginning of recovery. Oh God, yes. I was so jealous of people who were from some kind of fitness journey or, you know, I wanted to do it, but I knew I couldn't. And now I don't want to do it because why would I? Why would I? And that's one of the many beauties of recovery. You start seeing dieting and diet culture of what it is, which is absolute bullshit and not something that you want to engage in, right? And even if you have those temptations, you're able to control them. Okay, guys, I hope you enjoyed this episode and thank you so much for all the support on my podcast, for all the story reshares, for the DMs. I do try to respond, but I realize I'm actually not able to respond to all, uh, which makes me feel kind of bad, but I want to let you guys know that I really, really, really do appreciate it. It really means so much to me to hear that you enjoy this podcast and find it a helpful resource in your own recoveries and that you, you know, enjoy listening, engaging, sharing, you know, really appreciate it. So, yeah, I talk to you guys next week and I hope you have a great week ahead.